everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, uh, I want to jump right in here. Um, If you would go ahead and turn in God's Word to the book of John. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John. You know, I'm so thankful for God's Word. In the midst of so many opinions, in the midst of so much shakiness and confusion, in, in the midst of the up and down ebb and flow of public opinion, I am so grateful for the anchor of God's word. We believe this is the word of God. There's a lot of people that like to poke holes, and a lot of times if it doesn't make sense, it's not because it's not true. It's because you just don't understand it. It's amazing. Just because you can't figure out how electricity works doesn't mean it doesn't work. But for whatever reason, because of sometimes we don't understand, fully understand everything about this Bible, we discredit the Bible rather than pursuing to understand it more and understand him. And so this morning as we look at it, I believe that God's word has a word for you this morning. We look here in chapter 2 of John and we see an encounter. This is a pretty neat moment. I say neat. It's a pretty powerful moment. This is the first recorded miracle of Jesus. And it is a miracle, but at the same time, some of the scenario and even the placement of it is kind of low-key. It wasn't, you know, just like Jesus was born in a manger, in a stable, not in a palace where some thought would be fitting of a king to be born in. And yet, it was no less significant. Here we find Jesus at a friend's wedding. From what we can tell, it's probably someone that is related to his mom. His mom was probably involved in it on some level. This is a wedding taking place in a place called Cana. Not in Jerusalem, not in the hub of all of, you'd think if it was going to be the first Miracle, the first demonstration of the godly dim, uh, divine power of Jesus that it would be in front of a huge uh, arena or a huge crowd of people in the hustle and bustle of the capital of Jerusalem. But here it's demonstrated in a very normal, everyday kind of situation. So here they are at this wedding. And it says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Have you ever been in a situation where your mom wanted you to do something? And maybe your buddies were there and you're like, mom. Maybe, you you know, I I love that, you know, I, I think for moms, a lot of times it's like, if you... You know, she birthed you, she carried you for a while, she put up with you, just, just do it. Okay, two people, two people. It says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
I, 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 want, I want to say that again. His mother said to the service, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, these massive jars, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you've kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did in Cana and Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Why don't you repeat after me? Seeing is believing. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help me this morning in the brief moments that we have together, Lord, to reveal your word, to communicate it with clarity. Lord, that you would, Holy Spirit, help us to not just be hearers of your word, but Lord, let it produce something in us that changes our perspective, changes our capacity to be able to look at what is in front of us and yet see what is beyond it. Help us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. I am so, so thankful that God gives parents, and whether, you, whether it be blood parents, spiritual parents, all the above, that he gives parents the capacity to see beyond what is just in front of them. Because like everybody, especially when somebody has a new baby, they bring the baby, they're like, oh, that's so cute, you know. And depending on the situation, you know, whether they were like, you know, natural born or C-section, if they have the cone head, you know, they try to put on a hat, you know, cover it up. You're like, oh, they're so cute. Look at the outfit. You're like, the outfit? I mean, this is more than this baby. You know, but it doesn't matter like how the baby looks. Every parent thinks their baby is the most beautiful baby on the planet. And they should, Right. And, and thankfully, God gives them the ability to see beyond what's there because there's times when it's just not so cute. Like when you've got poop up to your arm and you got ready for church or, and, and everything is perfect and the outfit is perfect and your outfit is perfect and then it gets painted on with a yellowy substance. Uh, uh, or, or, or they just decide, as I did when I was a child and, you know, we were in worship and my dad's got a suit on and he's praising the Lord and, you know, I'm bouncing and all of a sudden I was like, you know what, I think this suit would be so much better if I burped up on it. If I just gave you a nice white sash going down your back, I think it would be great. And, or, or, or when they learn the word no. And you can see the defiance and the power of the fallenness of man. <laughs> I'm so thankful that you can see beyond those moments to something that is worth investing in, or at least not shaking in the moment. That you can see beyond what's there. I'm so thankful. If you throw this picture up of my mom and dad with me up there. There it is. Look at little John, John. You know, I was, I was the first of seven. I was the first to make mom a mom. Look at that cute little. I, I mean, you could, 
I mean, you, you could just squeeze those cheeks, right? You could squeeze that. I mean, that's just, that's just precious. Now, you know, we know that, you know, you, you don't just see them when they're that way. You see them also through the awkward stages of life. Go ahead and show the awkward John. Yeah, that's awkward John, right? <laughs> I'm thankful that my mom could see something in me even when I couldn't see much of anything. With those glasses, as you can see, they take up quite a bit of area on my face. Um, you know, and I put my mom through all kinds of stuff. I mean, when we lived, you can go ahead and put the Mother's Day thing. Take that off. That's, we don't need to keep that up. You know, um, you know, I think of times when I was little, I mean, I was just mischievous. You know, when I, if, you, if you see my son, Johnny, you know Johnny, you know Johnny is just Johnny. You know, it's like in Avengers, they always talk about we have a Hulk. In the Owens family, I say we have a Johnny. And, and he's energy on steroids, and he's everywhere, and he's going and doing things. And when I see him, I know that the principle of sowing and reaping is true. Because I think back on the things that I put my mom through. You know, times when we lived in an apartment and I just decided, you know what, I want to be free. I want to be free of the entanglements of clothing. And so I opened up my window on the second floor and began to throw out my clothes and stand in the window butt naked (laughs) for all the world to see. My God. But at the time when my mom was nursing my brother and I got this epiphany in our apartment that I wanted a McDonald's apple pie. And there happened to be a McDonald's right next to our place. And so I thought, well, you know what? Whenever we go to McDonald's and we get an apple pie, you just go up to the counter, you ask for apple pie, that's how you get them. And so while my mom was nursing my brother, I just walked out the apartment. And walked across and climbed over a fence and walked into McDonald's and walked up to the wonderful lady said, I'd like an apple pie. And she looked at me and said, where's your mother? And I'm like, don't need to bother her. You know what this is about? Give me that apple pie. I got the apple pie. I also got a police escort back to our apartment. My mom, to her surprise, witnessing this, I just thought this was a great situation. I mean, I must be somebody. I get an apple pie and an official escort back. I I, I think about the times when, you know, I, I was a firstborn, strong-willed child, and, and I remember looking at my mom one time when I was about the age in that picture, and looking to her and just saying, Mom, after being corrected uh, with the rod of correction, <laughs> time out only happened after you got a spanking. Like, it was the time for your bottom to stop swelling. Um, but uh, I remember looking at my mom in all sincerity and going, Mom, will there ever be a time when I don't get spankings? And she looked at me and she said, will there ever be a time when you just obey? And I looked at her and I go, (laughs) nope. I'm so thankful (laughs) that God gave my mother an ability, a supernatural capacity to look beyond the hot mess that I was so that I could yet live another day and see you here today. But there's something special, there's, there's something so powerful about having the capacity and the ability and developing the skill to not just look, but see. To see is one of the greatest skills you could ever learn and develop. Not just look, but to see. Anybody can look around at problems. Anybody can look around at what's in front of them. But it's a 
to see is to look beyond what's just in front of you and see possibility. To see God's truth in the midst of a present reality. You know, I remember even when I was about 10 or 13, and it was actually on a Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day was kind of one of those days that we would always visit my grandmother's church, Christ Missionary Baptist Church, where she went. And, um, you know, they had like a little friendly competition of whoever brought the most kids and grandkids would win some kind of thing. And so we rolled deep. Like, you know, my grandmother, she had six we had seven, so like they would reserve a couple pews, and it was just like for real, for real. I would even when we would sometimes we'd be a little bit late because it took us a while to get there. And I think that there were some old church ladies that had like a false hope that they were going to win that year. And then our family walk in, you could see like ladies with their hats, be like, "Mom, oh, you know." But I remember one specific Sunday, and I was kind of just wrestling, you know, and wrestling my my own issues. And after church, the pastor's mother. Uh, she came up to me and she said, young man, she put her little finger in my chest. She said, young man, you've got a call of God on your life and you can fight it as much as you want. But I tell you, like I told my son, you're just going to make yourself a better testimony. (laughs) And it bothered me. I just, in my mind, I'm thinking, crazy old lady, leave me alone. (laughs) I'm just being real. That's what I thought. I was like, I don't know. But she had the capacity to see beyond the awkward 12-year-old with the big glasses and the shag that hadn't left and see calling and destiny. Now, the problem is that so often we can get so caught up and it's so easy to get caught up looking that we lose or we become incapacitated in our capacity to see. We look at the world around us. We look at all of the dysfunction globally. And and we look at all the dysfunction within our own nation. We see the division. We see the heartache. We see the injustice. And we get overwhelmed and we can even almost lose our, our ability, our willingness to fight or to engage with others. We look at uh, even just the world, the, the people within our sphere, whether it be our coworkers or we look at our Facebook friends and our timeline and we see all of the dysfunction or we begin to look at what people have or don't have, what people seem to be doing or not doing and we start comparing ourselves and we look and we look and we look and all we do is just get fed up and put up and give up. Maybe even more personal, we look in the mirror. And as you know, many times you look in that mirror and if, if you're not overwhelmed by the magnification of your flaws, at times you are overwhelmed with trying to figure out how to cover them up so nobody else sees them. And it's not the looking necessarily that's the problem. You know, we can swing the pendulum at times and we can think that in order to be, be uh, people of faith, that a pe- being a person of faith requires ignoring what's in front of us. That's not the point. We don't ignore reality. We can recognize brokenness. We can recognize the truth of our present, but we don't stop there. You hear me this morning? A people of faith don't stop at the present reality because we understand that there is a truth beyond what we can see. 
And so to see, to truly see requires that we align ourselves and our perspective with that of God. You will never see properly apart from Jesus. You can't. You can't possibly. You might think you can, but many times you don't even realize how blind you are until you actually see. You don't realize how blind you are until you actually see. It's amazing how we can think we have it all figured out until we have a revelation of the truth. You know, here is an encounter where Mary is with her son at this wedding. And the present, or the present reality in front of them and the situation is here we are at a wedding and we've run out of wine. So the facts are we've got a gathering of a bunch of people who are partying. And we have run out of the fun stuff, the good juice. For me, it was always the ginger ale with the sherbet, whatever. But we've run out. And while other people, I don't know if you have been in these situations, you know, a lot of times, you know, we all have different personalities. Some people, you know, it's like they want to make sure that things get done. And when things don't happen the way that they think it should happen, they can start to freak out. Because all they can see is what's in front of them. And I can imagine that there were people coming around Mary and going, oh my gosh, this is, gonna, this is a complete disaster. Whose responsibility was it to make sure we had enough wine? Who, who has been given, oh, Uncle Thedro has been drinking way more than he usually does. Why doesn't somebody cut him off? People are freaking out, looking at the current situation. But Mary doesn't just look at the problems she sees because she knows who her son is. And I love that when in the midst of this conflict, she looks to him and she tells him the situation. She doesn't make up something. She doesn't pretend that it doesn't exist. She just tells it like it is. I want to encourage you this morning. God is not intimidated by your circumstances. You don't have to hide them. You don't have to sugarcoat them. You don't have to put them in the KJV. King James Version. You know, have you ever heard somebody that like, they just, whenever they pray, whenever they talk to God, they feel like they got to throw in all of a sudden these and thous and get a British accent, you know? And be like, yo, what's good, what's good, man? I'm just struggling, man, I'm just struggling. Man, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Okay, dear Father, we implore you right now. Thy will, you know. No, 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 no. We can just tell it like it is. You can be honest with God. You can, you can be raw with him. You will not put him off or offend him. And the beautiful thing is that whenever we speak to God, we can trust that he is who he says he is. And so I love that the revelation was not just that she brought the request, but she told the servants, you do whatever he says do. In order to see, to properly see, not just look, but see, First and foremost, we have to know who Jesus is. We have to recognize Jesus in the moment. 
We have to behold him, to see him. You will not see properly apart from Jesus. The reason Mary didn't freak out is because she knew who was in the room. I don't care what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter whatever lack, whatever challenge, whatever situation you're facing. At any given point in time, Jesus is the expert. He is. We, yes, there will be different outworkings and there will be different solutions and scenarios and we want to seek his face about the decisions we make. But we have to settle in our soul, we have to settle in our hearts that beyond our reality, his truth is the anchor of our soul. There will be things that will shake you and quake you and try to blow you every which way in this world. You will think you have it going well. And all of a sudden, something will come and knock your feet from out from under you. I mean, it's amazing how, you know, what a pastor said one time, he said, the hit that hurts the most is the one you don't see. I don't care how confident you think you are today. There is going to come a time where the wind's going to get knocked out of you. And it's in those moments that if we have not settled and recognize who Jesus is, we, like the person who built his house upon sand, will not have anything to stand on. But if we recognize that he is the Lord, that he is the son of the living God, that he is our provider and our healer and our source, then we can know, even though I can't see it yet, I know He is true. But not only do we see, not only is it important that we see Jesus, but we also have to be willing to do what he says do. Now, what I love about this miracle is it was one of the most mundane, I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular. In fact, when you read the scripture, I'd encourage you to read it for yourself. Read read. John 2, is Jesus doesn't like, he doesn't wave his hand. He doesn't even like Moses extend a staff. He doesn't like sing an ancient elven song. There's nothing. He told them, go fill these jugs with water. They went and filled these jugs with water. Has God ever told you just to do something that just seems so mundane and simple. It almost, you just like, God, that's all you want me to do? You just want me to show up to work on time? Or rehearsal on time? That's a, you, just, you just want me to sign up once a month to serve in city kids? You just, you, you just want me to like think before I speak? You just, you just want me to stop lying? Just some just simple, basic things. And so often we don't do them because they just seem too mundane to be God. And we miss out on a miracle. God wants to work in the everyday. So they, they go and they bring the water to him. He says, just go fill these with water, bring him back. And then what does he tell them after they bring it back? He goes, now draw from it and give it. So go, fill it up, and then I want you to take it and serve it. Isn't it like God to call us 
to experience the miraculous things in just service, just serving each other, not by getting focused on ourselves. See, when we look, what tends to happen is we just get focused on our problems of our, or ourselves. And our source is not found in either one. You will not get free by looking at your circumstance, by staring at your problem. You will not get free by staring at yourself. We like to call it navel gazing. We get so focused on fixing me and working on me and finding my needs and my wants and my likes and my truth. And in the meantime, we just begin to eat away at ourselves until there's nothing left. But when we begin to look to him, to do what he says, and to serve others, we begin to see what we couldn't see before. And it says all of a sudden, the king, or the, the, they receive, he drinks the wine, and he recognizes that it was better than anything that they had served before. And the thing I love about it is this, is it says in this passage, in this caveat, So when the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, and this is in parenthesis, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He didn't know what produced the miracle, but they knew. They knew the small unseen steps of obedience that led to the, most mirac- to the first demonstration of the divine. You know what? There are things, in order to be able to see, for us to be able to truly see the way that God sees, it doesn't just happen in just a couple big events. See, a lot of times we're like the master of the feast. And you come into these moments in and out, and you didn't fill the pot, you didn't obey, you didn't do the work, you just showed up and you got to experience the great wine. And we think that the miracle is just found in just showing up to a moment. But there was a greater work that was being done in the servants because they saw the process. They saw the reality of lack. They saw the the word come. They heard the word of the Lord come in that moment, and they responded. And so when they saw and witnessed this miracle, it was greater, it was deeper, and it was richer than they could ever imagine. To see, to truly see beyond the now is to Believe in who Jesus is and what he is doing. I know that there's some of you right now that you are struggling because you look at your current circumstance. You know, I remember at times growing up, for me personally, one of the things that was hard for me to see was it was hard for me to see what building wealth looked like. And I don't mean like being Scrooge McDuck and diving in a pile of money. But, you know, we, we just, because of different circumstances, like I just didn't, I didn't get, I, I was afraid of money. I thought money was just a necessary evil. Whenever I looked at it, it was a problem. 
Whenever I looked at it, I wished that I had more of it. And then when I had more of it, I didn't know what to do with it. And it ended up spending it frivolously or getting in debt or racking up another Blockbuster card fine. I know a lot of you have no clue what Blockbuster is. I think there's like one rental place here in the state of Indiana. But whenever I looked at money, I would get this pit in my stomach because I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't see I didn't understand uh, uh, stewardship. And I remember one of my leaders, one of my mentors in Nashville, he got me a book, a couple books. One of them was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he began to talk to me about seeing. And it wasn't about seeing myself in an Escalade with spinning rims. It wasn't about seeing myself in a fancy car, but it was about seeing Money in a way that it would allow me and give, and seeing a vision of being able to be a blessing to others. See a vision of being able to be a blessing to provide for my family, but not just provide for my family, to be able to sow into the kingdom. And God began to give me a vision of resources, something that wasn't a mean slave driver, something that wasn't some mysterious thing that would overwhelm me, that I would avoid until eventually Sally Mae's uh, paperwork would start filling up my inbox. But he gave me a vision to be able to see it the way he sees it. I remember on my 30th birthday being able to celebrate that I was debt free. Not because I figured it all out, but because I was able to see things differently. I was able to see my circumstance differently. You know, my mom, one of the stages that she <laughs> saw me through was a very awkward season of my life when I decided I'm going to give myself a stage name, right? I remember, you know, we would, when I'm in my neighborhood, you know, a lot of the kids, they were like, the way I'm going to get out of the hood is I'm either going to be an athlete or a rapper. And, uh, and so everybody wanted to rap, but, you know, no, nobody could sing, so I would, you know, fill that role. But, you know, they would all come up with, like, these really cool nicknames, MC names, and everybody had their little thing. But when it came to me, they're like, ooh, what do you want to be called? What do you want to be called? And I was just like, John doesn't really intimidate anybody, right? People would even ask me, they're like, man, so are you like Jonathan? Is John short for Jonathan? I'm like, no, just John. And that, that would just cycle in my mind. I'm just, just John. And I look in the mirror. I remember looking in my mirror, looking at my little measly arms, trying to get strong and trying to find my swag beyond my shag. I mean, that thing just lingered far too far into the 90s. And, and, and I was like, oh, I know, I'll be KJ, y'all. Now, now, just bear with me. This is the time in the, B, the boy band phase where it was like, it was all about AJ, CJ, M, and whatever with the J, so I just kind of went with it. But my whole point was that I was so obsessed with what I looked at in the mirror that I felt like I had to make myself greater than what I was because I couldn't see what God saw in me. And I walked through many years of confusion and insecurity and trying to become this caricature or trying to become and morph into this thing that I thought I needed to be in order to be accepted and valuable and of worth. And I remember coming to a place when I'd moved to Nashville and I'd gotten into a church where I could encounter God and I could get around other people that were pursuing Jesus. And they didn't really care about the fake facade that I was trying to, to present. And I remember in a moment of, of, of 
power and a moment of transparency and a moment of breakthrough when God in a worship encounter spoke to me. He said, your name is John. And it just hit me. And I know you could hear that just I mean, that is his name. But I remember hearing and I just think, oh, I know, I'm just John. I'm just, I'm just John. That's all that. No, no, no. And God said, no, you are who I've called you to be. When I look at you, I see greatness. I see destiny. When I look at you, I see freedom. I see courage. I see strength. You're not just John. You are my son. This morning, I know there's people in here that there's been a lot of things that have been cast at you at times by people who couldn't see. They just looked. And you've allowed it to define you. You've looked in the mirror, you've looked at your circumstance, and you just told yourself, based on this, I don't, maybe you've even said this, I just don't see how we're going to get out of this. I don't see how I'm ever going to get out of this. I don't see how I'm ever going to change. I don't see how I could ever be more than what my parents did. I don't see how I could ever be free of this addiction. I don't see how this, this could ever work out. God wants you to know that he sees you. See, the reason that we even have the gospel in the first place is because God loved us so much that he saw us before we even saw ourselves. He saw us and he saw not a screw up, He saw not a hot mess that maybe we think we are, but he saw children whom he loved. And he sent his son Jesus to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death that we should have died in our place, to rise again on the third day so that all who would receive and believe him, all that would repent and turn from our sin and turn to him as the rescuer and the king would not just get out of hell but would be fully restored to see him to see ourselves and to see our circumstances in the right way throw the uh, magic eye picture up Y'all are familiar with these. If you're not, these are little magic eye pictures. They had a nice run in the late 90s, mid 90s. They were in the highlights books, little activity kids, pages that you'd see at doctor's appointment offices. When you look at it, it just looks like a mess, right? Right? Now, when you just look at it, can they, you know, it, it looks like a bunch, a garbled mess of colors and random things on here. However, there is actually a picture and an image that is hidden in here. Can anybody see it? Raise your hand if you can see what is the image that's in here. You see it? What is it? It's a field of flowers. 
Now that's what you can look at. But when you look, can anybody see it? Does anybody see the magic eye picture? Takes you a moment. Now, what is hidden in that? As you begin to look, sometimes you got to cross your eyes. Sometimes you got to look at it. You see it? What is it? It's not a heart. But if you could see it, what you would see is it's a mother goose with a baby goose behind her. Yes. I've seen it. I might send it out. Uh, we might post it on City of Lights Facebook page so that you all can challenge yourselves. At least it's not the blue or the black dress. <laughs> now, the reality is you might not be able to see this right now, but after a while, you, when you look at these things, I remember my algebra, pre-algebra teacher, Miss Longstreth, she had a book that had tons of these, and I was fascinated by them, especially once I figured out how to look at them. Because I got to the point where my eye was trained so that as soon as I looked at it, about a second in, I could tell you exactly what it was. But I used to get so frustrated at first because I would just, people would say, do you see it? Do you see it? And I'm like, no, I can't see it because there's nothing there. And then I had this moment where all of a sudden, after I looked and, and figured it out, it, it, it just came together. I was able to see it clearly. And I don't know about you, there's so much frustration. I can get so frustrated looking around, looking around at the problems, looking around the circumstances and get frustrated because I can't see. But we can train our eye as we trust Jesus. As we go to his word, as we get in his presence, as we worship him, as we recognize that his truth goes beyond our present reality. That we can train our eyes and our lives in such a way that when we walk into a situation, we can see immediately. That when the bill hits that you didn't expect, that you don't see the problem, you see his provision. That when the pain comes or the disease or the sickness comes to you or a loved one that came out of the blue, that our eyes don't have to be so fixated on the problem, but we can look at the healer. That when the enemy comes to discourage you or tear you down or tell you that you're not this or you're not that or you'll never be anything, that you can look and you see that I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will live and not die, and I will declare his glorious works. God has called us to see, not just look, to see. That's my prayer for us as a people. When we, the world is looking and all they see is discord and division, that we would see that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. When the world around us is freaking out, when our families are freaking out, that we can be like Mary and we can say, do what he says. Look to him. Do what he says. Because a miracle is on the other side of this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are true, that you are faithful. Lord, I thank you 
that you are the God that hears and sees, that you see beyond what we can ourselves. Lord, you know the ache, you know the hurt that's here today. Lord, you know the needs, you know the things that are going to come, the things that have yet to come. And Lord, in all of that, but I thank you that you are the healer, you are the provider. You bring direction, you bring clarity, you bring hope. Lord, help us to see you. Help us to see your light in the midst of our darkness. And help us to be a people, Lord, who are not just seen, but have the capacity to see and to speak as your mother spoke, Jesus, in directing others to follow you from the mundane into the miraculous. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.